I want to talk to you just about this time of year. It's Christmas time. And Christmas is all about Jesus. I don't know about you, but man, when somebody says happy holidays to me, you know, it's like, yeah, whatever. Right? No, no, no. Merry Christmas, right? This is all about the anointed one coming to the earth. But in 1 John chapter 3, and this will set the whole environment here today. In verse 1, the word of God says, behold. When you see the word behold... That is the Spirit of God. He's empowering you to see something. He says, behold, I want you to see something. I want you to have revelation knowledge of something. What is that? What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Or behold, what manner of love that the Father has given us. And that word love, see, it's agape is the Greek word. He wants you to behold the unconditional, eternal, never-ending love of God that he has for you. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. What is that honor? That we should be called, what? The sons of God. I'm telling you, the mere fact that you're born again should excite you and you should realize that you're a world overcomer, that there's nothing on this planet that could ever dominate you because you are a son and daughter of God. What does that mean? That God, he's literally made you a brand new person. You're made in the image and likeness of him. He, he literally came in when you bowed your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And you said, Jesus, I now, I now pronounce you're my Lord. The Holy Spirit came into you. He took out the old spirit man that was dead and separated, that was spiritually dead, and put a brand new spirit on you. The Bible says that we have been born again. The Bible, several times in the New Testament, looks, calls us the very offspring of God. And the fact, this is why, when things are not going right in your life, it will frustrate you because you are born to walk in victory. You're not born to move backwards. You're not born to be defeated. And as a matter of fact, anytime you face something that's even bigger than you, your sin nature and your flesh will get afraid. But your spirit man is going, no, I know I have victory over this. And boy, if you'll literally... Renew your mind with the word of God. Put this first and walk with him. You will run at battles. You'll get excited about battles because you know you already have the victory. Behold what manner of love the fathers bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And then it says this, Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Don't, don't shrink back when people look at you and go, you know, you're just one of those Jesus freaks, one of those. Now, now, don't be a Jesus freak. And what I mean by that is, you know, a Star Trek Christian, boldly going where no man's gone before. You, 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 you're really brush and, and rough outwardly, but you're really not living it inwardly. Don't be one of those. Be, be a Christian. Walk in humility, which means you know that without him, you're lost. And without him, you can do nothing. And without him, you have nothing. 
but oh, with him you have everything. And then what happens is the Holy Spirit now will cause the love of God that he shed abroad in your heart to stir in you so that the love of God makes the gifts inside of you palatable to people. So now they, they, they don't know you, it's just different because you're talking about, when you talk about loving them unconditionally, they don't understand that. But they will. See, as you just keep walking. Don't See, when you walk as a Christian, you'll yield all of your fruit in your season because you just love people. You don't ever put pressure on them. You're not trying to drive them to Christ. You lead them to Christ. How do you lead them to Christ? By letting them watch your life. You learn that as a parent. Your kids will become what you do, not just what you say. Right? So this is why this is so very important. It says here, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Isn't that amazing? God say, the Holy Spirit's saying, Behold something, what manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon you that you be called the sons of God. Then he brings even more clarity in verse 2. He says, Beloved. See, now because we're the children of God, we're beloved. We're the beloved of God. Now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, which is very soon. Now this is not talking about his appearance that we're celebrating. He came to earth and he appeared 2,000 years ago as, a, as the Lamb of God. He was born to die. Then he was crucified rose from the dead, and now he's seated in heaven, but he's coming back. He's coming back very shortly for his church, and then ultimately, very soon after that, he's coming back to earth as the king of kings and lord of lords to set up his kingdom here. Satan's days are, are very limited. This is why all hell is breaking loose even more than ever. And to that we say what? As Christians, so what? Right, Because we know he's defeated. It says here, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It's amazing. The Bible is just so, it just fits together. It says that when we see him, we'll be like him. Do you know this is why this, God's will for your life, according to Romans chapter 8, is that you be fashioned into the image of Jesus. And his, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth tells us how. As you peer into God, God's word, you're changed into his image. See, this is why the enemy wants you to look at all kinds of crazy stuff. Because you're created, you will gain your identity based on what you're looking at. So if you look at past failures or even present failures, Satan knows that an image will be built in your mind that you're a failure. Right? If you're looking at your life and you're laser-focused on a sickness or a disease or an infirmity, a weakness, pretty soon you won't see yourself as you really are, the healed where sickness and disease has to leave your body because of who you are. You'll see yourself as sick. But see, this is why when we come together, this is why when we get in the Word of God, it strengthens us 
so that we cannot live out of our senses. I'm not moved by outward things. I'm moved only inwardly. So I'm moved. It's in him that I live and move and have my being. And all things are possible to me because I believe him. And I can do all things through him. Does that make sense? See, this is how we live. And this all started by Jesus coming into this earth. I'm telling you, when he hit the earth, everything changed. It's amazing. So it says here, verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him, or you could say it this way, every man that has this expectation in him purifies himself even as he, Jesus, is pure. See, when you, how do you walk free from sin? How do you walk holy before God? When you realize that he loves me, that I'm his child, I am born of him, his grace empowers me to walk holy before him. And what that does is it positions me to know him so intimately, there's now nothing blocking him from getting everything over to me that he wants. And this is a wonderful way to live. And so this is, you know, if you were going to entitle this sermon, you, you would entitle it, For God So Loved. And then you could fill in the blank. You should fill that in with your name. Amen. He loves you today. He loves you so much. Don't get caught up in Santa don't get caught up in presents and, and all this other stuff. This is not what this is about. This is about the God of the heaven, the, the creator of the universe, took upon himself flesh, and he stepped out of heaven, out of eternity, and he stepped into time and was born in Bethlehem. You know, I've been, I've been to Israel a couple times and was able to go to Bethlehem once, uh, and, you know, we've been talking about there's a group of people that want to go to Israel. And, you know, Tony Cook, uh, a great friend of mine, he does, he does minister tours. We went a couple years ago to Greece, and he's doing one in 2019 to Israel. And it's just for pastors. And, and uh, you know, so we were talking, and, and um, we found out our, we, we called our pastor in California and go, hey, are you guys going to Israel? Um, and, and, you know, got to talking, Jeanette was talking to Beth, and, and she goes, you know, in 2020, we're planning on taking our church to Israel. So we started talking to them and go, man, it'd be kind of cool if people in our church want to go too. Why don't we just maybe hook up together and, and go? So we're, we're talking about that. So you'll hear more about that in May, May of 2020, uh, go, going to Israel. But, you know, when you go to Bethlehem, you're so conscious of the fact that, man, this is where... Jesus came. You know, we, we, we preach a cross doctrine. You know, we preach a manger doctrine this time of year. But, but when we preach the manger doctrine, we also have to add the cross doctrine. But in reality, we can't just stop there because we got to really preach a throne doctrine. Because this baby that was born... I mean, he's the creator of the universe. Isn't that amazing? Laying in a manger that he created, on a planet that he created. I mean, that's amazing. When he became 30 years old, he was baptized, and then the fullness of the Holy Spirit rested upon him. And now we have Jesus, the great redeemer of the world. So let's talk about this a little bit today. 
Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Aren't you glad you're here today? What a wonderful presence of God that is here every time we come together. It's just wonderful. This is the easiest place in the world to preach. It's just, it's so easy to preach. The only challenge is not preaching a long, long, long time. Now, you guys sometimes think I preach long, but man, I know some guys that preach long, right? Uh, you know, and, and so you guys really have it good here. So it's, it's awesome. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. Who's that mediator? The man, notice it says this, the man, Christ Jesus. That's, so that's real interesting. This word mediator literally means one who intervenes between two in order to restore peace and friendship and covenant. Jesus came to restore friendship, to bring peace between God and man, and to restore even a new and better covenant. Isn't that awesome? There's one mediator, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. In the New Living Translation of this verse, it says, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile. That means to call back into union God and humanity the man, Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And you know, the Bible says in the fullness of time, Jesus came. When, I, when, when we were in Greece, we uh, went in, they uncovered this, this guy's tomb. His name was Philip of Macedon. And you go in this tomb and it's just got treasure and this guy was a great military man a, a wealthy man a powerful man he was the father of alexander the great the reason why alexander the great was able to conquer the known world and by the time he was 30 was because of all the financial backing and military backing uh, and training alexander the great was trained in in greek culture by all the best teachers he was trained by all the best military people of the day so he was a combination, he was like an evangelist. He would go conquer an area, and then he would bring Greek culture and thought to that area. Everybody would learn the Greek language, and then he'd go somewhere else, conquer it, bring all the, all the Greek culture and thought, they would learn the language. By the time he was 30, the whole known world spoke one language, predominantly Greek, which literally made the way for Jesus to come. Because now he could come... And this language barrier, it was the fullness of time. It was a perfect time for him to come. It's really amazing. So when, you, when we look at even history, how it ties in, everything, just like right now, everything is coming together in the heavens, in the earth, in the animal kingdom, in the, in the nations. It's all coming together to fulfill prophecy for the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. It's all, I mean, we're, we're seeing it. We're going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Jesus was born a man. Why? To reveal God 
and his love for mankind. That's why Jesus was born a man. Jesus lived as a man to show us how a man that is free from sin can live. See, that's why Jesus, he lived to show us that a man, when you're free from sin, this is how you can live on the earth. Guess what? The Bible says you've been literally made free from sin. In the same way now, we literally, this is why Jesus said the works that I did, greater works are you going to do. This is why the word of God says things like, as I am, that's, that's seated at the right hand of his father, with all authority in heaven, earth, and under the earth, as I am, Jesus says, so are you in the world right now. Don't let, don't let the enemy give you a picture of your behavior to define who you are. A picture of you, you'll start defining who you are based on your education, based on your, uh, your finances, ba based on your health, Whatever it is, your looks, I mean, he'll use everything. No, no, no. If you want to know who you are, you have to look into the mirror, the word of God, because your creator is the only one that has the right and could be accurate enough to tell you who you are. You are a child of God. Jesus died as a man to take our place, to bear our sins, to bear our sicknesses, to bear our, what, our spiritual death. He did everything, our diseases. He, he bore our poverty and lack. This is why he died as a man, to redeem us from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 says that. Why? So that we can be born again and have the blessing of Abraham come upon us. This is who we are today. Now here's another one that we don't talk about a lot. Jesus was raised from the dead as a man. Colossians 1.18 says this, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn. I don't know what number I am. I don't know what number you are. That in all things he might have the preeminence. He did this to raise us up with him. The Bible says that we are to reckon ourselves dead to sin. In order to live free from sin, you have to reckon yourself dead from sin. Reckon is literally an accounting term. You have to be able to count and calculate yourself as dead to sin. If you don't do that, you'll live in sin. Well, what do we have to count? There's certain things we have to count. Number one, we have to count that when Jesus was crucified 2,000 years ago, I was crucified 2,000 years ago with him. That when he was buried, I was buried with him. The Bible says that. When he was raised, the Bible says I was raised to newness of life. When he was seated at the right hand of his father, I right now positionally am seated in him at the right hand of the father. So see, you have to understand the temporal truth of your life and the positional truth of your life. Temporally, I'm at Faith Family Church preaching to you. Positionally, I'm seated in Christ at his right hand. I'm dead to sin. Do you know that Romans tells you that your spirit can't even sin? Well, then why do we sin? Oh, all you do is you let your unrenewed mind side with the sin nature that's still in your flesh, 
And that's why you walk it out. So a carnal Christian, a flesh-ruled Christian, will literally look just like the world. The only difference, people who are, are not born again, they won't feel as bad for their sin because they're spiritually dead. But we, our spirit man is going, ugh. See, what, what do you, when you get convicted of sin, it's not the Holy Spirit. This is what's happening. So, so you allow your unrenewed mind to side. You start looking at wrong things pretty soon. You, you act out of your sin nature and your flesh and you sin. What happens now is when your mind perceives that your spirit is grieved because of that, that's what that conviction is. It convicts you. It, it'll just kind of it'll itch at you. Hey, this is not, this is not what I have for you. It, th this is why God never beats you up for stuff. Have you ever noticed that? Has he ever gotten down? Have you ever just, I mean, could you imagine the God of heaven's presence fills the room and all of a sudden you're afraid and he's, I can't believe you did this and I can't, no, 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 no. He, that's not who he is. That's who the enemy is. He'll drive you. So we have to know that. We count ourselves. We reckon ourselves dead to sin. We are to live on this earth in freedom. Whoever the Son has made free is indeed free. Now here's the thing. You can be indeed free and not feel like it. Not even look like it because you're not allowing God to really move in your life. Don't worry about this outward stuff. You just keep believing the word in your heart and keep speaking the word out of your mouth and you will see everything in your life change to come in line with what the word of God says because it's greater. I love this scripture, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, who literally is the creator of all things. He gave him so that all who would believe in him would not perish, but that they would have eternal life. See, when did I have eternal life? I, and what is eternal life? Eternal life is the eternal life of God. It is the life that God has. I don't get that when I get to heaven. I get it the minute I get born, born again. So now my job here is to literally bring heaven to this earth and show it to the world. My job is to be a manifestation of who Jesus is. So when I witness, see, you can witness, but I'd rather you be a witness. See, because when, when you just are a witness, because there's a lot, of, a lot more people watching you than what you think. You know, when you are a witness, everything about your life ministers to people. And you use words from time to time, but mostly it's just you just live your life. You walk in the gifts of the Spirit. You walk by faith. You walk in the love of God. You're led by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit knows everything that everybody needs. As you're raising your kids, he'll tell you exactly the perfect thing to say to your son or your daughter at the perfect time. He'll tell you when the enemy's messing with them so that you can pray and take authority over that so that they're protected. He'll keep the enemy at bay. He'll cause his angels to surround your children so you don't have to worry about them being apprehended or, or anything like that because part of salvation is freedom from apprehension, right? So the, this is just wonderful. Jesus was born 
and humanity was changed forever. This is how powerful this is. God's intent was to end religion and restore relationship. That's what we're talking about. When I see that baby in a manger, that's amazing to me. God. I mean, isn't it amazing how God does things? He's not in a rush. We sing a song like that, right? He could have saved us in a moment, but no, no, no. He sent a child. Isn't that amazing? He opened the door for all mankind to live heaven on earth. I could tell you this, God's will for your life is that you live as, as, you're, as you will live in heaven, but live it here now on this earth. That's what he wants. You know, you're never going to know lack in heaven. You're never to know lack here. But here's the reality. The world system is designed to steal, kill, and destroy. It's designed where you could prosper for decades and then all of a sudden, in a moment of time, lose everything. But that's not the case when you have treasure in heaven. It, the earth can't touch it. The world system can't touch it. So here on this earth, what we have to do, though, is we have this blessing where God says, I'll take care of you, but we're going to have to take care of the spirit of poverty and lack. We're going to have to use the authority in the name of Jesus and tell it to leave our life and tell it to stay out of our life. And then we, here's the main thing we got to do. We have to literally keep the word of God in our heart and guard our heart because out of our heart flows the issues or the boundaries of our life. So, see, in order for God to prosper you more, he's got to get you to expand your boundaries. So God wants you to live with limitless boundaries. And, and that's why we renew our mind with the word of God. That's why you come and you sit under the word and you learn it. And then you, you don't just leave and you just, then you take something that, that really got you this, that service and you start meditating in that. And you start declaring it over your life. And all of a sudden you see things change. God wants you to see things change in your life. So Jesus, we got to look at this correctly Jesus, his life did not begin when he was born, right? His eternal name is the word of God. It says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. You can never separate God from his word. If you want to know God, you'll have to know him through the word of God. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that he put inside of us because he is God, he knows everything, and he teaches us. We have an unction from the Holy Ghost, and we know all things. So as you get hungry, you'll get filled. If you live out of your flesh, this is what you'll do. You'll be over here studying things in the Word of God that kind of spur your attention a little bit. Most of the time, to, because you just want to feel spiritual, because you don't want to deal with what God wants you to deal with. Boy, have I known a lot of people like that. I knew this one guy, man, I knew him really well. Uh, he was me. <laughs> that, that I didn't want to deal with this worthlessness thing. So I would, I would bury it under you know, a certain dress or certain car. Uh, I would bury it under aggressiveness and just, you know, uh, I, would, I would act fearless on the outside, but behind all of it, it was a paper kingdom. 
Because at the end of the day, I'm just like, you know what, I'm just worthless. But when I finally, you know, and I, it was funny, I would go teach on the love of God all the time. Man, but there was such revelation for people. And literally my heart was that God, I, I, I had revelation knowledge of how God loved people. But I needed to have revelation knowledge on how God loved me. And when I got that, everything, when I would teach it, would just all change. The anointing on it was even greater because now I knew, wait, God loves me. And when a lie of the enemy is expo exposed in your life, it loses all its power. You instantly kind of come to yourself and go, oh my gosh, what have I been doing? I've been treating my kids wrong. I've been treating my wife wrong. I've, I've been treating God wrong. I'm not active in the church. I'm not, not doing it. You know, I'm walking in unforgiveness. I, I, all this stuff. And you're like, wow. That's not even who I am. And here's the thing, when God reveals this to you, you're like going, that's awesome. You're not beating yourself up from it. You're going, okay, I'm free. And everything changes in your life. That's what God has for you. In 1 John 1, 1, it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. This is talking about Jesus. John is saying, we've handled him. We, we lived with him. He is the word of life. Wow. In, in John chapter 1 and verse 3, it goes on and it tells us that he's the creator of everything. It says in verse 1, or John chapter 1 verse 3, all things were made by him, and, was that, and without him was not anything made that was made. It jumps down to verse 10 and says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Isn't that interesting? In Colossians 1.16, it says this, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible things and invisible things, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now here's the thing. He didn't make principalities and powers of the enemy. He didn't make them evil. They started out good. But a third of those angels fell with Satan, right? So it's just like, did God create Satan? No, God created Lucifer, the anointed cherub. And when Lucifer made a decision to rebel against God because he wanted to be like God, now God cast him to the earth and we know him as Satan. We know him as uh, the destroyer, as Apollyon, which means the destroyer. Right? And, and, and now Jesus stripped all authority from him. That's why he had to come to the earth. So Jesus came into the world as the incarnate word. This word incarnate, what that means when we sing this word, incarnate means he was clothed with flesh. So he was the word of God who took upon himself flesh. And then he laid down all of his godly attributes and he lived on this earth as a man. I should make it, he lived on this earth as a man anointed by God in the same way that you're to live. 
Jesus came, remember, he was, he, was, he was alive before he was born, so he came into humanity. Don't think just because he was born, he's coming out of humanity, right? I know that's a little thing, but here's the thing. When you walk with the Lord, you have to see him as he is. In Matthew 1.23, it says this, again, behold. So this is, this is, this is the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to see this. Why? Do you know how many seminaries are teaching that this, this whole virgin birth thing is, is not real? No, no, he was born of a virgin. Actually, let's get it correctly, he was born of the virgin. One. It says, it says Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean? Which being interpreted is God with us. In the Greek language, you'd have to keep going. God with us in a new way. Right? Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 says it this way. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin. It's, it, the word virgin is literally the word hauma. It literally means the virgin, the only one ever, right, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was prophesied by Isaiah 800 years before Jesus was born, right? So why is that important? Because when a child is conceived in a female, a child gets his blood from the male seed. Well, Jesus could not have been conceived by Joseph or he would have been born in sin. So he was born of the seed of his father. Does that make sense? This is why he was a virgin. The power of the Holy Spirit came over her and now she conceived. Isn't that awesome? The virgin conceived. There's really weird stuff out there where they're saying, well, the Holy Spirit had sexual intercourse. No, 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 no. That's perversion. Because she wouldn't be a virgin, right? So, so let's get that right. You, you say, well, why is this important? Because you need to know everything about you is supernatural. Everything about you is divine. Are you God? No. Thank God. Right? But I'm his child. And to have access to me, you got to go through him. And oh, by the way, he left me here with the greatest authority on the planet, authority in the name of his son Jesus. And at that name, everything is going to bow that's in heaven, on this earth, and under this earth. That if I bind something down here, heaven stands behind me and, and confirms in heaven that it's bound. If I loose something here, then it's loosed in heaven. I've been seated far above anything that could ever come against me. The reason why I'm saying this, guys, is you got to get ready because we're so close to the end of the church age that God wants to do a lifetime of things in your life in a few years. I mean, you want you got to get ready for wealth, and I'm not talking about a few thousand dollars. I'm talking about wealth to win the world. Amen. 
And, it, and it's not because of toil. So see, if you just think you're just a mere man, he won't be able to bless you the way, the way that you're to be blessed. You'll buy a counterfeit. You'll let this person, this partner come in and get a piece of something God doesn't want him to have a piece of. You've got to let God bring the right people into your life. Right? You need to be in health way beyond what you might even think. Because when you're hurting, you might just think, you know what, I could live with this and that and this. Just, just get, help me get rid of the pain. And God's like, no, 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 no. No, listen, you messed up some organs. I need to put some new organs in you because you've got to have energy. You've got to have strength. And it's there for you. See, the Bible says all things are possible to him who believes. It went on, Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is who we're talking about. This is a lot more than happy holidays. Right? This is about Jesus the one who loves us, the all-powerful, almighty one who can change. See, nothing in the body of Christ makes sense to the world, right? How can a drug dealer, how can a murderer be, there's murderers in pulpits right now preaching under the anointing, laying hands on the sick, and they're totally justified by God. He takes the most unlikely things, and will do great wonders with them. And he loves you. He loves me. Our past is never to dictate. To be honest with you, when you became born again, you became a person with no past. Do you know I was born again when I was four and a half years old? Back when dinosaurs roamed the earth in 1966, <laughs> right? I got saved. I didn't even know what righteousness meant. But do you know from that point on, every mistake I've ever made as a Christian living out of my flesh, do you know I still was, was a boy, was a, was a teenager, was now a man with no past? Because I was saved, I'm being saved, and I'll always be saved. Old things were passed away. If I mess up now, they're passed away. If I mess up here, I confess it and it's passed away. It's all gone. The Lord said to me one day, you know why I don't see you in your sin? I'm like, well, because you're God. When the Lord asks you a question, just say, well, why, Lord? Don't, don't, you know, because he, he knows everything, right? So he's like, no, no, there's no sin to see. That made no sense to me because, but no, no, see, because I'm looking at everything behaviorally, but if I look at it, as it really is, what it will do is it, it's the whole Pauline revelation. It will not give me a license to sin. It will enable me and give me the strength. I'll walk in a revelation of what God's done in my life, and it enables me to walk holy. This is, this is see, the whole earth is groaning, waiting to see the sons and daughters of God manifest in this earth. They want to see it. This earth has been under a curse I mean, our farmers need to know, man, you need to walk as a child of God because that ground is under a curse and it hates it and it wants to have a farmer that owns it that will not only plant and do all this other stuff. You know, I thought farming was this nice little thing. 
And then I moved to Iowa, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I would never be smart enough to be a farmer. I mean, it's like big business, it's everything. But I got to tell you, it's, we need to have a farmer that will literally walk out and go, I call this ground blessed. And if you could see the earth, the earth would just be going, oh yeah, this is awesome. Why? Because this farmer is manifesting who he is in Christ. In the business world, we need businessmen and women to manifest. We, we need, in every society, in the family, in politics, in all these centers of influence, we need we need to manifest who we are. We've got a lot of people who are anti-God, who are yelling and screaming and trying to change laws in the earth, and here we are as the church with all the authority, and we're not using it. What do we do? You know, I'm just going to really go for it. I'm going to go take three hours of my day and make a sign, and I'm going to go pick it in front of an abortion clinic. Why? Why don't we just pray and bind things and loose things and see some of those people get saved and see that thing dry up and shut down? All of a sudden, people around there are just going, I'm, not, I'm raising my kids, right? I love what Bill Winston talks about to his church in Chicago. That's, that's the town I was born in. And, you know, he talks about it crack houses and neighborhoods where, it's, where, where drugs are ruling and gangs are ruling. He'll have these women go, and they're in the neighborhood. They can't go out at night. He, he's like, listen, let's just stand and believe God. They'll walk down the street, and they'll look at a crack house and go, I, I bind you, I shut you down in Jesus' name, and they see them shut down. They see gang violence change. Why? Because of who we are. And it's because we are who we are because of who he is. And we could say, well, that's cool for Chicago, but I got to tell you, we have all this in Omaha, right? Why can't a convicted felon be convicted, go to jail, go into a God mod in jail, meet Christine Bacherman, meet Morris Jackson, get born again, spirit-filled, built up in the word, and walk out in the favor of God so that their criminal record never affects their life. That is what we have here. Why can't the alcoholic now walk free to where not only he looks at that and goes, I just, I'm free from it. Why can't the drug addict walk free? Right? This is, this is what we're talking about. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, it's wonderful. It says, and the word was made flesh. Literally in the Greek, it says, and the word of God took upon himself flesh. Jesus is the word of God. In his word is all of his power, is all of his deliverance, is all of his peace, everything. When God speaks, it cannot not come to pass says the word took upon himself flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father so this word glory is interesting it literally means we beheld his glory we beheld his goodness we beheld his power and we beheld his presence that's the glory of god see god puts grace into you. As you go, you could access it. You go boldly to the throne of grace. I come boldly to you, Father, today, 
into the throne of grace boldly. Boldness comes from who you know. Father, I don't come on my own merit. I come on the obedience of my Lord Jesus today. And I ask, boy, I tell you, it comes over me. And I ask that you would impart unto me a more than enough portion of your grace that I might walk courageous and fearless in this earth, that I would walk in the love of God, that I would walk by the faith of God, that I would be courageous enough to be led by the Spirit of God. And when God, he imparts that more than enough portion of grace, what comes out and manifests out of your life is glory. You know how God says, as surely as I live, my glory will cover this earth as the waters cover the seas. What is that? That's the glory coming out of us. God wants his goodness. He wants his power. He wants his presence to come out of you. Man, we have people in our church here that are you know, placed in amazing positions to, to share the gospel with people. All of us are. And if you're not today, all you got to do is get over yourself, submit to his, to his word, and just now you'll start experiencing life. He'll place you at the right place at the right time. You'll have the right heart, and you'll be doing and saying the right thing to yield eternal fruit. He'll be reaching out of you with his goodness, with his presence, with his power to change others' lives, and that's the only thing that'll fulfill you. Filling your bank account, a bigger house, nicer cars, more money, that's nice, and you can enjoy it, but it'll never fulfill you. But oh, if you will get God-minded, I mean, you will, you'll, bear, you'll, well, you'll bear all your fruit in your season. You'll live a life, days of heaven upon the earth. The Bible says, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And then it, what does it say? Full of grace, full of truth. See, when the word of God is in you, the grace of God is, is manifesting and it manifests out of you in the glory of God, his goodness, his presence, and his power. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, boy, take that. There's, there are some people that just got, some, got their answer right there. Yeah, that, that's, that's good. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says this, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Wow. Another aspect of Jesus coming to the earth is he came to declare who the Father is. Now, this is how the Trinity works together. They are the three who are one, right? So you have God the Father who comes up with the plan. He had the plan of creation, eternity, the church. He, has, he had everything. He comes up with the plan. The Son, Jesus, carries out the plan. The Father goes, I want to create the earth. Jesus goes, earth be created. Planets be created, stars, everything. Jesus carries out the plan. And then, because God, he lives for others, he has the mighty Holy Spirit that his job is to reveal the plan. 
Isn't it amazing how people walk around and say, well, you just don't know what God's going to do. That's such a religious doctrine of demons, I can't even stand it because even his word Jehovah means he's the God, the self-existent one who reveals himself. He'll always tell you. If you're asking him a question and he doesn't answer, it's because it's not the right question. Sometimes we're asking him about calculus problems when we're in second grade. And he's like, you know, okay. And he starts answering. He starts getting us in the word. So we grow up, grow up, grow up. And we get to the point and all of a sudden, oh, that's why that is. Right? God is good. You never want to question him because he knows. In John 1.18, it says this, no man, John chapter 1, verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. What that means, he declared him. He drew him out of the shadows to where he could be clearly seen. In other words, you could look at Jesus and you could see exactly how the Father is. So like in the realm of healing, if, if you could see what God's will is by just looking at the four Gospels. Now we preach a lot about how that God heals some and not others, but that's not in the four Gospels. We'll preach about how that God will put sickness or allow it or, or, you know, in, your, in your body to teach you something, but that's not in the Gospels. Everybody who came to Jesus in faith was healed. There was never a no. There was never even a wait. Right? So we know the will of God our Father for all men for all time by looking at the life of Jesus. Jesus said this in John 14, 9. He said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. In John chapter 10, verse 30, he said, I and the Father are one. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, it says, talking about Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus is the visible form of the invisible God. So you could know God. You, I can know my Father because I see who Jesus is. I can, know, I, I can know in every way. Jesus said, listen, in that day when he's resurrected, you're going to ask me nothing. But everything that you ask the Father in my name, he'll do it. That your joy will be filled. And, it filled. and in another scripture he said, I'll do it. That your joy will be filled. He wants you full of joy. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says this. For in him... In Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So now I want to close with this scripture. It says in Hebrews 1, 1 through verse 1, 3. I just want to read this to you. Hebrews 1, 1. Because this brings it all right here. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, in many different ways, spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So let's break that down. In these last days, when did the last days start? The last days started when Jesus came out of the grave. We're in the last of the last of the last days. In these days, God speaks to us by his Son. 
Now, we're not minimizing the prophet's ministry. There is a ministry gift of a prophet, an office, you could say. But I'm telling you, if any prophet has given you a word and it doesn't line up with the word of God, you got to throw it out. So many people, and here I'll say this too, if you are living on a word that is not founded in two or three scriptures, it's going to mess up your life. I know people that literally have 1,800 blind spots in their life, and I could see a blind spot in a person's life a mile away because I had them. When God shows you a blind spot in your life, you go, I had no, I had no idea. But I know people that are just like, you know, I've been given this word that, man, I'm, I'm to do ministry and I'm going to change the world. And it's like, I don't doubt that word is true. But brother, you got to throw that on a shelf. You're not even going to church. You're not even in the word. You're kicking your dog every day. You're not walking in love. You're not even honoring God in your giving. All of these things. So God can't even talk to you about his revealed will for your life because you're not even doing the written will. Do you see that? See, this is going to be, and boy, I'll tell you, even when I say that, it's like, now I don't feel it much, but there's a little, just a little bounce back. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this to help you. Come to the Lord as you are. Don't, you know, we're men, we have all these different rooms. Take, it'll take you a while, but you men, we just got to go around and open all the doors. You know, we don't like doors. Like, oh, I remember this door. Yeah, nah. no, just open it. Don't worry about it. And then God will pick one of those rooms and go, okay, we're going we're gonna to clean up this room. And you'll be like, okay, because you're so into a works mentality, you'll go to grab a broom. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, your job was to open the door. My, I'll, I'll clean the room. I'll make that room so clean that you would have never thought. You'll look at that room and you'll never be able to see a remnant that it was ever messed up. And you'll be like, wow, that's cool, because us men, you know, we're really into delegation, especially in the area of dishes, cleaning, right? Ask our wives, right? Well, this is how you'll get free one area at a time. But you start the process. It says, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed an heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. In other words, I'm going to talk to you by my son, and he's pretty qualified because he's the creator of everything. And he knows all things. We're like, cool. And then he says this about Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory. Jesus was the brightness of his father's glory. The express image of his person. He's the express image of God the Father. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he sat, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. When he did and finished the work, when he provided everything for you and I. Listen, hear me. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. You have not messed up the plan of God for your life. You are in the perfect place right now. Let this Christmas season, as God, when Jesus hit the earth, it made all things new. Why don't you let What's inside of you just make all things new in your life. Amen? And we'll do it together because we need each other. I am so grateful for you because you help me grow spiritually. 
I, I get so encouraged when I see your faith, when I see you walking things out. I get so encouraged when I see you face a tough situation and walk by faith through it. I love in, the, in this church when I see people in the church helping others that are hurting. When they come in and, and they're being crushed under a load that's just too much for them and they, they're not in a position to roll that care over on the Lord, you have brothers or sisters that come alongside of them and go, listen, come on, we're going to grab this thing, we're going to get it off of you, and we're going to roll this over on the Lord. Because here's what happens, guys. There's going to be times... When the enemy's going to talk you into, it's like you're, you're on a bench press. And he's going to talk you into, see how good you feel today? See how strong you feel today? Let's just put an extra 100 pounds on this, on this thing. And all of a sudden, man, you'll be so excited and you'll lift that thing up. And all of a sudden, there's no spotter there because you decided to do it all alone. And you start losing it. And Satan will start laughing at you. And the minute you start losing it, he's right there in your ear going, you're weak, you're nothing. What are you going to do now? I'm not going to be alone. I'm going to be calling out to guys, right? Probably Steve, you know. Hey, Steve Mortensen, I, I need you to help get this off me. Jim Witt, help me right now, right? Jake, help me. Get it off of me, Right? Because, see, that's how we live. And so we have to, in your life right now, man, surround yourself with people of faith, people of love. Amen?